Today's reading is Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those workers of evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself could have such confidence. If anyone thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, persecuting the church, as to righteousness in the law, faultless. But whatever was gained to me, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things as loss compared to the surpassing excellence of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to him in his death, and so, somehow, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me, brothers. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should embrace this point of view. And if you think differently about some issue, God will reveal this to you as well. Nevertheless, we must live up to what we have already attained. Join one another in following my example, brothers, and carefully observe those who walk according to the pattern we set for you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. This is God's word. In many of the places where Paul founded churches, he faced immediate opposition and follow-up opposition. Immediate opposition refers to the persecutions he faced from locals, sometimes Jewish, sometimes Gentiles, who were opposed to the growing gospel message. We read about these frequently in the book of Acts. Although there was much opposition, God saved his chosen ones and a new church was founded. Follow-up opposition, as I referred to it in the previous paragraph, has to do with the infiltration of false teachers into the churches that Paul established. It is in Paul's letters, not the book of Acts, where we learn about this type of opposition. There were different types of false teachers. For instance, the church at Ephesus faced a different kind of threat from false teachers than the church at Colossae faced. But one type of false teaching that these churches faced was from a group that has been called the Judaizers. This was a group of Jewish people who went to these Gentile churches. They would tell these new Gentile converts to Christ 
that the men had to be circumcised, ouch, and all of them needed to start obeying the law of Moses. Here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul warned the Philippian church about this group when he said, Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision. That's the NIV's translation. The point of these words was to tell the believers that there was nothing deficient about their relationship to God. Christ fulfilled the law, so there was no need to be obedient to it any longer. We saw this in the remainder of verse 3 when we read, It is we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. That's the NIV again. The phrase, boast in Christ Jesus, as the NIV puts it, is a shorthand way of speaking about how Christ has kept the law for us. Theologians call this the active obedience of Christ. And like his death, which they call his passive obedience, the active obedience of Christ is credited, that is, imputed to us at the time of our salvation. God wants his people to know that everything that was necessary for them to be right with God was fully accomplished in Christ. There is no act of positive obedience you must do to be declared right before God, nor is there any personal sacrifice you must make to be declared right before God. Jesus did it all. In verses 4 through 6, Paul described his personal religious credentials. According to verse 4, more than any Judaizer who might come to Philippi, Paul was religiously qualified under Judaism to obtain what he called righteousness based on the law. That's what he called it in verse 6b in the NIV. But in verses 7 through 10, Paul described how being justified by faith in Christ was so much better than the theoretical righteousness a law-abiding Jew might think he has. Paul wrote in verse 9 that he wanted to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Because of this salvation by faith, Paul pursued knowing Christ and living for him, according to verses 10 through 14, as all mature believers should, according to verse 15. Today, there are groups who call themselves Christians, but emphasize the need to obey the law. Some of these people are Jewish. Others, like Jehovah's Witnesses or Catholics or others, are just simply legalistic. Many people find a feeling of spirituality by performing rituals and rites, or by obedience to some Old Testament dietary command. But the books of the New Testament, and this chapter is an excellent example, teach clearly that Christ has done everything you ever need to be right with God. Obedience to him is a matter of loving service, not a matter of earning God's favor. So don't let anyone ever tell you that you need faith in Jesus plus something else, some ritual or obedience to some command. Christ is all we need, and in him, is hidden all the riches of wisdom and knowledge. Our goal as believers, then, is to know him, as verse 10 puts it. That's what the Christian life is all about. If you found this devotional helpful and you're finding it anywhere but your email, please sign up to receive it in your email every day by going to dailypbj.com slash subscribe. Subscribing is free and always will be. But if you'd like to support me financially, you can do that by going to dailypbj.com support. 
I'm looking for monthly ongoing support, and it's completely optional, but thank you for those of you who faithfully help me each month. I appreciate you so much. Finally, if you think someone can be helped by this devotional, please share it with them, and I'll see you next time. Hope you have a great day. God bless you.